You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the May edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be your host today. Uh, But before we get into uh, today's topic, I wanted to take a second and make sure that you guys remember a couple of things coming up this fall at New Spring Church that you do not want to miss. The first, of course, is the second New Spring Leadership Conference. It'll Woo-hoo! be held on September the 8th. And listen to this, between starting at 8 a.m. and ending at 6, because New Spring, we stay on time, here's what you're going to get. Mark Driscoll, Stephen Furtick, Craig Crochelle, Perry Noble, Judah Smith, Andy Stanley, and Judd Wilhite. Woo-hoo! Anybody who was here last year will tell you it was probably the most comprehensive and most focused leadership conference they'd ever been to so you do not want to miss that spots are going fast so get signed up now uh it's going to be amazing man mark driscoll stephen furtick and judd white are going to do interpretive dance to arise my love and um it is sparklers yes sparklers and everybody else all the rest of us are going to dress like angels and demons it's going to be amazing (laughs) so you're going to want to sign up for nlc as soon as possible that's so true and the other thing is november 14th through the 16th we have perry what we're calling your leadership intensive it's basically our coaching network on steroids to go real fast but it's not just for senior pastors, it's for any church leaders. Anything you want to share uh, with our listeners about that? Well, we had so many people that want to do the coaching network, and that's, you know, I really do love doing that. Um, but, you know, uh, to, to travel four times, there's four motel rooms, four rental cars. I mean, you gotta, you got to come here four times. you got to commit to come four times. And so we said, what if we just um, – took the best out of the coaching network and boiled it down to like two and a half days. And so that's what this is going to be. It is going to be, it's called a leadership intensive because it is intense. But I think that the people that commit to it will, um, I mean, I, 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 anyway, I'm just looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, one thing our listeners need, need to know is that it is filling up fast and we're only going to keep that registration period open until uh, June 1st. And so if you send in your application, you better get in quick and you better have a really darn good reason to be here or you're not going to make it. So there you go. That is not a sound effect. That is actually Perry Noble whistling. It is amazing. Uh, now we're going to shift uh, the tone a little bit because today's topic is, is very serious. Um, last month, uh, our listeners may remember, we talked about barriers how to deal with certain things that are getting in the way of your church going to the next level. And this month, we're really dealing with the primary barrier, but it's something that most people, especially pastors, don't talk about, and unfortunately, many probably don't think about. Perry, why don't you share with our listeners um, the, the specific nature of this topic and why we're going to talk about it today? Well, um, the biggest barrier for a leader in church world today is um, him not being willing to step up and love his wife like Christ loved the church, um, loves the church. There are, and I'll say this many times today maybe even, um, there are too many pastors today in bed with the bride of Christ and not in bed with their own bride. And Jesus doesn't need you to be in bed with his bride. Um, Honestly, he needs you to be in bed with your bride. Um, His bride is quite fine. She's survived for 2,000 years. But some leaders out there, your wife is not surviving. And so that's why we're going to talk about this. Um, several things led to it. Uh, first, Lucretia, my wife, 
did a session at Unleash for pastors' wives only. And she came out of that session saying that might have been the heaviest thing she's ever participated in. Um, women asking qu questions, crying, weeping. I mean, just so much heaviness. And it just reminded me that the pastor's wife could be the most neglected, yet one of the most important people in the church. Um, and so that, combined with the fact that I'm seeing more and more pastors um, seemingly dive into morality. And I want to stop and say, we've got to stop saying fall into morality because nobody trips, falls, and have an, has an affair. Um, they dive into it. And so many pastors are, are out of touch with their wives, they're out of touch with their families, that the next thing you know, and they're diving into morality. And I want to acknowledge that the temptation is there, but you don't have to follow through on the temptation. Um, the third thing that really hit me is in the Bible, um, if you read through what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy about the qualifications of being a godly leader in the church, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 both speak very openly about loving and leading your family. And if you can't do that, um, then you're not qualified to lead. And it's amazing to me the number of churches that will allow men to poorly lead their family. I'll get into why in just a little while. Um, and then the fourth reason is uh, the other morning I just got up and was reading through Genesis, and I got to Genesis 12, uh, the story about Abraham, and I just was blown away. I was like, oh, my gosh. His story is so many church pastors' story. And um, I, I guess the best thing to do is just kind of walk through that story and point out a couple things. That's what I was thinking. Uh, the, today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, you're just going to hear Perry teach. Uh, some things that are that he shared with me and shared with our leadership team that are real important about this topic as we walk through uh, Genesis 12. So, Perry, I'm just going to hand it over to you uh, for this first section. I think we're going to jump into Genesis 12, uh, 10 through 13, and let you kind of take off from there. Yeah, Genesis 12, um, most pastors know that story. It's a, it's a familiar story where God comes to Abraham and says, hey, leave your, you know, leave your family, leave your homeland, and go to a place I will show you. And Abraham goes, and he takes his wife, and you know, Lot goes. And it's an amazing, incredible step of faith story where Abraham literally does what God tells him to do. But then um, stuff starts breaking down for him. And um, he had, up to this point, he's followed God. He's done what God has told him to do. But Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 13, I just want to read these verses. They're, they're quite disturbing. Um, the Bible says in verse 10, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. I want to stop right there and just say that God didn't tell Abram to go to Egypt. So Abram was leaving a place where God had told him to go because he, um, and I know the defense mechanism and men want to provide for their family, but I want to just unpack what happens when we use the I just want to provide for my family argument. Um, Abram left a place that God had told him to go, and he went to a place where God had not told him to go. Um, verse 11, oh, God. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, look at this, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Now, if you're just reading the Bible, you're like, all right, Abram's spitting game. Um, and this is cool. But in verse 12, it goes south. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Se verse 13, say you are my sister. So this was obviously southern Israel. 
Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Now, there are several problems right here so far. The focus in this, in this text so far, Abram was focused on himself and he wasn't focused on his marriage. He's like, listen, this is going to go bad for me. It's going to go good for you. And listen, I don't really want people going, well, we don't know the culture. We don't Listen, I don't care what culture it is. It's never good for a man to sell his wife out. I, screw your culture if that's your culture, okay? Um, the focus was on Abram and not the marriage. And we can take that into today's context. When a leader begins um, to, when, when a leader begins to be about his ministry minus his wife, we have a major problem. Where, where a leader begins to come to a wife, his wife and go, listen, um, I'm, I'm really busy right now. Uh, this is ministry. God has called me to do ministry. Ministry's got to come first. Family's got to come second. One of the dumbest things that I've ever heard somebody say is, um, if you take care of the church, God will take care of your family. Um, that person should be taken out and beaten. Um, not killed, just beaten every day for the rest of their life, or at least until they stop believing that. Um, that, that is not true. That is not true, and it's nowhere in scriptures, anti-biblical. It comes from Satan, and it's uh, the person that said that's probably possessed by demons. Um, and I'm not being, I mean, I'm serious. That's where it comes from. Um, th- 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 Abram's telling his wife, listen, I need you to take one for the team here. I need you to step up. I need you to be okay, I need you to be okay with this. And it's ridiculous. Um, th- I'll go back to leaders. One of the things that leaders are known for is having a vision for the church. We work on vision for the church. We work on vision for the church. We work on vision for the church. I wonder how many leaders out there have a vision for their family. I wonder how many leaders out there actually have core values written down for their family. You know, that's something my wife and I talked about. She confronted me about several years ago, and I've got core values written down for our family. Now, I know we're going to get an email asking, can you have those core values? The answer is no. Um, because what you'll do is you'll change my core values to your core values, and you're basically robbing my core values. Um, you need to love your family enough to sit down and figure it out for yourself. Um, the, the, going back to Abram here, um, there's the, it, he, like I said, he told his wife, you need to take one for the team. Now, put yourself in Sarah's situation at this point. She felt forgotten. She felt alone. She felt neglected, which, by the way, that's the way a lot of pastors' wives feel. Alone, forgotten, and neglected. And how ironic is it that they would feel alone, ironic, and neglected, and they're married to a man that's supposed to be a shepherd? Oh, my gosh. That's, I, I take care of your own sheep. Um, the, and I'll tell you the reason this is so hard for pastors. The reason a pastor, for the most part, has such a hard time going home and loving his wife and loving his family is because most, or not most, many pastors are in it because of the attention. They want to be a rock star. They want to receive all the attention. They want people to take, take care of them or whatever. And when they go home to their wife, their wife's not impressed with them, probably because she's seen him naked and she knows there's nothing impressive there. Um, she, she's, she's seen him at his worst state. She's argued with him. She struggled with him. He can't fake her out as far as how godly he is. And so because the wife will not treat the pastor as a rock star so many times, he will uh, he'll go, well, I'll just go find a woman that can. And it, it's, it's, it's just sad. 
Um, it continues in, in verses 14 through 16. The Bible says, When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. Stop. The enemy took the wife into the palace. goes back to Genesis 3. What happened? Adam neglected his role to take care of his wife, and what happened? The enemy. Listen, I'll tell pastors, if you don't lead your family, Satan will. Satan will step in and lead your family. Abram allowed his wife to be taken captive by the enemy. There are leaders out there today, church leaders, that are allowing their wife to be taken captive by the enemy. She's believing untrue thoughts. There are women out there. I've seen it. I've talked to um, a couple pastors' wives. We're going to reference them later on, as well as my own, who talk to other pastors' wives. There are pastors' wives out there that really do love Jesus, but they hate the church. They hate the church, and I would say they don't. Many of them hate the church because the church is their husband's mistress, and the, the, the husband neglects his responsibility at home. Um, let, let's keep reading. The Bible says this in verse 16, and this is crazy. He treated Abram well for her sake, talking about Pharaoh. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Now, here's what's crazy. The enemy, if you'll neglect your family as a leader, the enemy will make sure he will reward, he will reward you well. He will make sure you have more Twitter followers, you have more Facebook friends, more people read your blog, because you're at home at night, but you're not with your children, you're tweeting. You're not with your wife, you're Facebooking. When, like, the best thing that some dudes could do is just put their computer up when they get home or don't even take it home. Um, because the enemy will make sure. You will have, here's what's crazy, you will have church members talk to you about how awesome you are because you're always accessible. I can always call my pastor. I can always get him on the phone. And there's some pastors that's true. You can always call them. You know why? Because they need to be needed. So they will leave dinner with their family they will answer a phone on, the day, on a date with their wife. They will neglect their children in order to do ministry, not understanding that a church is not effective when the pastor ministers to the people, but rather when the body ministers to the body. Um, and, and pastors, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. you got to be careful about church people because the people that sing your praises, you let them go for about a 24-hour period and not be able to get a hold of you, Hey, listen, I had a, I had a seminary professor tell, say it to me best. Those that deify will crucify. And so you, you got to watch those rewards um, from, from, from the enemy. And that's what, the, that's what Pharaoh does to Abram right here. Um, and then verse 17, and this is, this is scary um, for some pastors, um, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So I would just say that God will intervene. He cares. Like I said earlier, his bride is taken care of. But leaders, pastors, your bride needs to be the center of your attention because God cares about the neglected, abandoned wife, and you're going to have to deal with that issue sooner or later 
um, it might as well be sooner. Perry, I just wanted to take a second before we move into some of the information you secured from uh, the pastor's wives you mentioned earlier. Just a quick recap through through this. Uh, the thing that jumped out to me first uh, that I think a lot of guys need to pay attention to is the very first uh, verse, verse 10, where you said God didn't tell Abraham to go anywhere. Right. And he would have used to properly used the excuse, well, I just need to provide for my family. Right. How many guys do you think are under that lie, I guess, to feel like if I don't move now, I'm not going to provide for my family, and use that as the primary reason to getting themselves in compromising situations? Well, it's so funny. Pastors literally will say, if I don't work this hard, if I don't go to all these committee meetings, if I don't do all these things that all these people expect me to do, then they're going to fire me, and so i got to provide for my family. So because i ha- I got to provide for my family, i got to do what these people tell me. Well, that's fear of man. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty nine twenty five that fear of man is a snare, and it leads to death. And so when you begin to let people and their expectations control you, you always neglect your family first. Mm-hmm. Your family is the always, always, always the first thing that you forget. I know pastors and church leaders that will go to football games, basketball games, uh, you know, volleyball games of kids of church members to make a good impression or a good scene, but they'll they won't go to their own kids' ball games. Mm-hmm. Like how jacked up is that? I'm gonna go to these other because they will tell me how good I am, they'll tell me how awesome I am, but I'm not gonna go see my own kid play ball because there's no reward in that. Yeah. That I, is the dumbest thing ever. Because there is a reward in that. It's mm-hmm. your kid knows you love them. Yeah. I think uh, a lame leader equals somebody who uh, is praised for certain things at work, but not praised for the same things at home. That's right. Um, the other thing you mentioned is having a vision for your family yes. or a core values for your family. One yes. of the things that uh, I, I believe is important is we have to know as husbands, especially as a senior leader of a church, needs to know the answer to questions before they're asked. And so yep. how do you use the core values or vision for your family to help you uh, resist answering questions to obligations or certain certain things that could get in the way of how important your family is to you. Right. I you know we I established these core values and talked to my wife about them, and uh, she's in full agreement. And there's only three. We have three core values that really guide our family, and they help us to make the decision before the decision because we value three things um, in in our household. And like I said, I, it, it would be easier if I explained it, but it would be. Um, but I'm not going to explain it because I don't want people taking our values. There are values. We came up with them. They work for our family. And, and so we've got three core values, and it really helps me as a leader. Not so much our family because Lucretia, she's a great lady. I mean, she's, she, and she understands there are seasons when it's busy. There are seasons. There are times. There are exceptions to the rule. But when I say exception, like very few. Um, if you're having an exception every day, that's not an exception. You're a weak leader. Um, she, but she understands that. But she always knows that we're going to go back, and I'm going to make decisions for our family based on our core values. You know, one of the things, one of the primary needs that most ladies have uh, is to feel secure. Yes, uh, and to feel cherished. Yes. And here in this story, we see that Abraham or Abram took that for granted, and so Sarah had to have felt used. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, so let's talk to the leaders about that. How important it is to leave your wife 
always feeling cherished and, and, and build security around her as opposed to setting her up for being used. She felt not only used, but let me ask you this question. Do you think she had some trust issues with Abraham in the future? Uh, yes. Um, do, do you think she felt, she felt neglected? She felt used? She felt abused? The whole, let me go back to this, the whole take one for the team, like literally there are pastors that will come to wives and go, I need you to go to this Bible study at the church. Well, and the wife will be like, I don't, you know, honey, I don't want to go to the Bible study. Well, I need you to go because there's a very influential lady teaching it. And um, you, you just got to take one for the team. You're just going to go. You just need to go. And I would say that, once again, that leader, um, he can't even call himself a leader. That is weak. That is the weakest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And um, a, a leader needs to be a student. You know how we, we study books, we, we, we go to conferences, we, need, we go to, um, uh, we read books, we read websites and stuff. Well, I would tell that leader, put that much time into researching your wife. Because mm. um, leaders will call, I literally, I've had people go, well, how do I love my wife? And, and it's like, I don't know, bro. Why don't you ask her? Um, she is an expert on herself. And if you can finally convince her that you're serious and honestly have a talk with her, um, she will let you know what she likes. She will let you know what she doesn't like. She'll let you know how she feels special. She'll let you know the times she's felt neglected. Um, most leaders don't want to have that com conversation because um, many leaders want to present themselves in a positive light, and they know they've neglected their wife. Yeah. And let me tell you something. You neglect your wife, you're ultimately going to destroy your ministry. Mm. You're, you're going to destroy your ministry. You know, you said, um, or you made a, a reference to the fact that if you give up your wife for the church, somebody's willing to take her. Yep. Um, and your wife ought to feel betrayed because basically the pastor is having an affair with the church yep. and leaving the bride. Yep. Talk again about that uh, to the pastors that are in danger or on the verge of that situation. You know, uh, I, two of the ladies that I talked to, I talked to my wife, first of all, and got a lot of insight on this. Uh, another lady that I talked to is Lori Wilhite. Um, Lori is Judd Wilhite's wife. Judd is the pastor of Central Christian Church in, um, it was basically Las Vegas. Um, she, Lori has a website called leadingandlovingit.com. Um, leadingandlovingit.com. And... Um, unbelievable. She has. She talks to pastors' wives all the time, and she told me in an email. She pointed out to me that um, uh, about a thousand pastors leave the ministry every month, and many of them are leaving the ministry because their wife is unhappy with ministry. I've seen. I, I've seen that survey that Lori was talking about, and it said that um, a lot of pastors' wives wish their husbands would quit the ministry. And I'm going, how? messed up is that and i'll tell you why it's because their husband's gone abraham he he has neglected his wife in most cases um another lady i talked to is brandy wilson uh brandy is pete's wife i've got her website around here what is it uh, is it um it's brandy and boys that's b-r-a-n-d-i brandy and boys.com uh and she's Pete Wilson's wife. Pete is the pastor of Crosspoint Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and quite possibly one of the most handsome men on the entire in the, in the entire world. 
Um, and and Brandy, uh, Brandy gave some incredible, incredible insight as well about how important women need community. Um, and they do need community with other pastors' wives, but ultimately they need community with their husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would I would just say um, that a lot of pastors are in, and and then Shane, this is something else I'm hearing, and there's not a lot of people talking about this, but it seems to me that I am hearing more and more recently, I would say in the past two or three years, about pastors' wives having affairs on the pastor uh, as, you know, pastors are having affairs on their wives, but I'm hearing about pastors' wives, ministry wives, leaving their husbands, having an affair on their husband. And let me stop and say this. Um, That's never right. I don't care how neglected you are. I don't care how long. That's never right, but... I think one of the reasons is they feel so lonely. They feel neglected. One more time. It's not right. i got to say that or some internet blogger will say that I said having an affair is okay. So, anyway, that, that's yeah. that. Um, you know, the, the last thing I want to hit before we get into some specifics that Lori and Brandy shared with you or other specifics is this. I thought this was a real powerful um, thing you gleaned from that text is that the enemy – will reward you for neglecting your wife and kids. Yes. Uh, and it, I just had this thought, don't you think that um, the wife or the kids of a pastor ought to sense and feel the same benefit that the pastor is feeling? Yes. And if those things are out of sync, shouldn't that be a warning sign for the pastor? Yep. If the, if the pastor slash leader is loving the church and the wife and the kids are hating the church, something is out of balance and it needs to be corrected immediately immediately so with that i I I was looking at our sheet here shane let's just go to number four the practical steps um that i take these are some things that i think will work i'm gonna give you eight steps um and these are things that uh that they just work for for me um they have worked uh, i think lucretia and i have uh the healthiest our marriage has ever been in 11 years and so anyway here we go number one um to, to make sure you keep good watch over your wife and family um number one is communicate and like i said earlier you got to talk to your wife Th- this means um putting up your computer uh, putting down your cell phone I, I knew a guy one time true story that literally figured out that he could put his cell phone in a plastic bag like a Ziploc bag, and take it into the shower with him so he wouldn't miss a call. I'm not, I'm not even making that up. I'm not making that up. Um, by the way, true story, that same guy wound up having an affair on and leaving his wife. I'm not even making that up. I know that for a fact. It's not something I read or heard about. It, it happened. And so, you know, when you're... When you're more obsessed with your Facebook friends or how many people are retweeting you when you're at home than you are with your wife and actually getting down on the floor and playing with your kids and talking to them and finding out about their day and finding out how they're doing and finding out what you can do to help them, you've lost your vision to lead. You can't lead the church if your family is not being led well. Um, now, that's not to say that you're not going to have a kid sooner or later that goes off the deep end, but you've got to know in your, in your heart and in your conscience that you've done everything you can to help lead that kid. Um, number two is date night. 
Um, and listen, I I get I get people get so mad at me when I talk about date night. Um, it's because they're not having a date night. And pastors, when I say date night, date night means you don't take your freaking cell phone with you. You leave it. You leave it. And I've had pastors say, well, you don't understand. My church needs me. No, you suck as a leader. That's your problem. If your church can't do without you for an hour or two, once a week, you have led your church so poorly that they don't see Jesus as the Messiah. They see you as the Messiah. That's how bad of a leader you are. So put the phone down. Leave the phone. Now, I, you know, what about the babysitter? Listen, we hire a babysitter. We give them Lucretia's phone number. I leave the phone in the car, in the glove box. I don't take it with me. Date night is Lucretia's. It's, it's, it's the night that she knows she has my undivided attention. Pastor's wives need to know there's at least one time during the week that I'm going to have his undivided attention. You know what we talk about? Whatever she wants to talk about. Um, the, the other thing I would say right there in a date night is you got to have a vacation once a year where it's just you and your spouse. And I've, I've talked to so many people, oh, we just can't get away. Well, no, you can. You re- well, we can't leave our kids. Oh, no, they're going to leave you one day. You should leave them now. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have got to do that. Mm-hmm. You've got to have that time away as a couple. And that doesn't mean, listen, going on a trip with somebody from the church does not count. Just you and her. If you've always got to have somebody else around you, you're not comfortable, and you're not comfortable enough just being with your wife. You got a problem. Um, number three, uh, do not use her as a lightning rod. When I mean that, I mean there's going to be things that happen to us in ministry that really make us mad. You know how it is. I mean, Shane, you're in some of our, you know, you're in all of our leadership meetings where you know tempers flare or somebody gets mad or a nasty phone call or a nasty email or something, and you go home and you've had a bad day and you just unload on your wife like, so-and-so said this, and I don't like this, and I don't like this, and then, and then, Well, men, we can get over that stuff in like five minutes. I mean, you and I could have a fist fight and then go eat a burger together tonight and be best friends again. But women, uh, when you express anger and frustration and hurt to them, um, they receive not only what you're saying, but they receive the feelings that come along with it. And if somebody hurt you and you tell your wife about it, and by the way, you're always going to overemphasize the hurt, um, it's going to hurt her too. And it's going to take her a lot longer to get over the hurt um, than it took you. And so you'll, be, you'll go into back to work the next day and you'll have a great relationship with this guy and your wife will still be mad at him. And so it brings some tension even between your wife and staff members. So don't unload on your wife. Have a, have a best friend in the ministry. Get on the, get on the phone on the, on the way home and just you know, call him and cuss him out or something. And then get home with your wife. Now, I'm not saying lie to your wife, but you do not need to unload on your wife all the bad stuff that happened to you during the day. Um, number four is get healthy. You've got to get healthy. You've got to get healthy physically. You've got to get healthy emotionally. You got to get healthy um, spiritually because your health, I would say your emotional and physical health impacts your wife more than you would ever know. When I went through um, depression uh, in the last part of 2007, and you know I struggled with it for three years, I would go through incredible low points, just incredible low points. And when I did, I didn't feel like talking. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like anything. I mean, it was it was awful. Well, what happens during those times is Lucretia would pretty much carry the emotional 
um, weight of our family on her back, and she would keep things upbeat, and she would keep things positive. Well, when a person is struggling with anxiety and depression, um, we can just snap out of it. Like, and so I would just snap out of it, and I would be fine. Um, but what I didn't understand is Lucretia, when I would come out of those times, was exhausted. She was tired. And so I would perceive her um, unresponsiveness to me or not wanting to go for a walk or whatever. I would, I would perceive that as, well, she didn't like me now, and it would throw me into a deeper part of depression, not understanding that my health affects her health. Um, so number five, and I alluded to this, have a vision slash core values for your family. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> um, number six, and I wrote this down, be at home. Like be at home. Like a leader that is not with his family every night. I mean, li- literally, I'm at home every night. Every night I'm at home. Uh, there, there are very few exceptions to that, uh, but... For the most part, I would say, you know, 47, 48 weeks a year, I'm at home every night. I do dinner with my family. And I've had people go, well, you know, that's the way you do it now. you got a big church. And I want you to understand me. I was doing this when we had 100 people coming to our church. And I told our church, I'm not coming to your house for dinner. I'm, I'm going to be with my wife tonight. She was in residency, um, as, as, you know, becoming a doctor. And the night she was at home, I was at home. She is my priority. Um, I'm not answering the phone when I'm eating dinner with my family. You've got to be at home. If you're out doing ministry every night and you're not home with your family, you're neglecting your ministry. So be at home. Uh, and that's it. I don't want Karis growing up. Uh, Karis is my little four-year-old, almost four-year-old girl. I don't want her growing up thinking, Oh my gosh, my daddy was always at church. He was never with me. I hate my church. I hate the church. So number seven is allow her, um, speaking about your wife, to be involved as, as she wants to be. People ask me, how involved is your wife? Uh, Lucretia comes to one service every week, and then she goes home. And I've literally had people ask me, why doesn't your wife come to all three services? And my response is always, well, why don't you come to all three services? Uh, why don't you come to all four services? I'm just glad she comes to one service. I'm, I'm excited about that because I'm the preacher. She lives with me. I mean, she knows um, how, how jacked up I am. So I would say allow your wife to be in, involved as you want to be. Listen, if your wife doesn't want to work with children, don't make her work with children. You're stupid. Knock it off. And, and people will go, well, if she doesn't do it, then who's going to do it? You know what? Somebody will, but it doesn't need to be your wife. It doesn't need to be her. If she doesn't want to sing, don't make her sing. If she doesn't want to stand at the back of the church and shake hands with everybody when at the end of the service every week, don't make her do that. Allow your wife to be as involved in ministry as she wants to be. Now, I have some really good friends that their wife is very involved. Their wife um, is on stage with them when they take the offering, when they do welcome. You know what? If, you're, if that's what she wants to do, and that's what she's called to do, Praise God, she should do that. But allow her to be as involved as she wants to be. Allow her to be herself. Mm. Don't make her do what Abraham did. Hey, pretend you're not this. Be this. That's you. You, you cannot force your wife to be a ministry. She to to do ministry. She's your wife right now. Lucretia has a ministry in this church. Um, she she does a ministry to. Uh, girls 6th through 12th grade called Heart to Heart. You know what? She came up with that. She said she felt called to do that. She said she wanted to do that. 
And she did it after we've been doing ministry for 10 mm-hmm. years. Um, and finally, number eight, uh, and I would tell pastors this, be unapologetic about protecting her. Be unapologetic. Let, 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 I'll, I'll say it like this. Can I have your wife's phone number? No. You could, no, you can't. Uh, can I take your wife to lunch? No, you cannot take my wife to lunch. Um, or I'll ask my wife and see. But if in the back of your mind you know the answer is no, just go ahead and answer no. Don't throw that on your wife. Um, be unapologetic. I've told the church, and Shane, you've heard me say this many times, I can get another church. I can't get another Lucretia. There's a, there's a huge difference. She is my bride. Um, and, uh, you know, we've had, I mean, we've had people put letters in our mailbox to her, attacking her, tearing her down, criticizing her. Um, we've had to deal with that. I, I, you know, I've had to deal with that before. But at the end of the day, I'm going to protect my wife. I'm not going to let the critics get to her. I'm not going to let people have her phone number. I'm not going to make her feel like she has to go to certain things. Um, because at the end of the day, Jesus will protect his church. It's my job to protect my wife. And so I would say be unapologetic about protecting your wife. Well, why isn't your wife here? Because she's at home. Well, why didn't your wife do this? Because she doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. And, and say it with not with an apologetic voice, but with a confident voice. My wife is my wife. She's not the church's wife. She's mm-hmm. not a free staff member. Mm-hmm. So, You know, Perry, the thing that I hear you saying over and over is, you know, God will do whatever it takes to defend his bride and make sure he, she doesn't feel defiled. That's right. The question for us in ministry is, are we willing to do the same thing? Yep. And so it sounds like um, that pastors out there need to have conversations with their wife. Yep. And find out. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Nope. But every pastor needs to have a conversation with them and figure out how they can serve their wife and their family best. Yep. Uh, one thing I wanted to make sure uh, we did is I want to restate these uh, great websites, uh, resources for pastors' wives. Uh, again, one is from Brandy Wilson, uh, brandyandboys.com, and then Lori Wilhite, leadingandlovingit.com. It's a great resource that I hope our uh listeners out there will uh, check out and uh, refer their wives to if their wives aren't listening. Uh, you know, Shane, there's one more pastor's wife, uh, pastor's wife um, website I want to mention, hollyfurtick.com, Stephen's wife. Uh, Holly Furtick, H-O-L-L-Y, if, if you are, T-I-C-K.com. Um, she is an incredible pastor's wife. She, she supports her pastor, um, who is also her husband, and uh, has an incredible blog. She reviews his sermon every Monday on her website, and it's um, it's amazing to see her support her husband like that. And so those are just three pastors' wives that I know um, are loved by their husband, and they feel called to do a ministry to pastors' wives. And people have asked, you know, well, where's your wife's blog? Well, she didn't ha- she didn't blog, she didn't tweet, she didn't Facebook, um, because she doesn't want to. And I think that's great. I'd have never said you need to start Facebooking because I Facebooked for three days and shut it down. It was just, it was awful. So I would, I would highly recommend that. And I would also say to the pastor's wife um, that's listening to this website or listening to this podcast, here, here would be my prayer for you. Um, don't nag your husband. Don't yell at him. Don't use this podcast as an excuse to beat him down. Um, he, you know the pressure he's under, and I'm not defending him. I'm just saying, if you will go back to that text, God took care of Sarah. 
God intervened. God pretty much, um, he pretty much had to blow Abraham's world up before he got his attention. And so your only your thing is you should begin to pray and beg God to intervene so your your family can be strong. Because I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God cares about the pastor's wife that feels abandoned and neglected. And you just need to begin to pray that God will get your husband's attention. Um, and he will use whatever means. And when it happens, stand by him, support him, um, and you'll be stronger. I'm not saying – the other thing I would say is don't nag him, but if you, I think you should have a conversation with him. Like maybe you should listen to this podcast together mm. and then go, all right, what would what, you get out of that? And if he gets real mad or defensive or mean – um, or it says like really mean things. Call call me. I'll send a team out to your house. We'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. We won't do that. We might. I wish do I that. could. I, we could. We should. Let's we, do it. I think we might should. Do All right. That. We will do it. Well, um, we've covered a lot of ground on really uh, heavy subject, but one that hopefully will set lots of uh, pastors and their wives free uh, and break that that biggest barrier uh, that may be holding their church back. Uh, We want to thank you again for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Again, send your questions into us. We'll try to address them at uh, hello at newspring.cc. Beyond that, we'll look forward to seeing you at NLC and next month on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Goodbye.